Hey, Will I Like It listeners, do you like a good cup of coffee, one that's rich, flavorful, and ethically sourced? Then you need to check out Dynasty of Coffee, a Yorkshire-based online coffee business that offers a range of expertly crafted blends. All of their coffee is roasted to order to ensure freshness, and they're committed to nurturing the well-being of both individuals and the planet. Whether you're a fan of a bold, strong coffee or a smooth and mellow one, Dynasty of Coffee has a blend for you. Their four main blends are inspired by different British dynasties, Saxon, Viking, Tudor, and a decaf Hanoverian. So if you're looking for a delicious and ethically sourced cup of coffee, head to dynastyofcoffee.co.uk today and use the code SAXON10, that's SAXON, all capital letters, 10, at checkout for 10% off your first order. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Will I Like It podcast. My name's Craig Brooks, and today I am here with Joe. I've just realised, Joe, I don't know your last name. Tyler. Tyler. There you go. So Joe Tyler. Joe is a blacksmith, and he's a member of Herigus Hundus. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That's all right. Um, and you've come to talk a bit about what you do, and you've got some stuff to show me. Yep. And a bit of a story to tell. On Wayland, the smithy. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so when did you start blacksmithing? Well, it actually starts a little bit earlier because I got into reenactment. Yeah. And it was because of doing reenactment I found the passion of looking at blacksmithing as a craft. Yeah. And then I pursued to study it. So if it wasn't for reenactment, I wouldn't actually be a blacksmith today. So I've been a blacksmith now. I finished my training at Herefordshire in 2012 and I was there for three years. Yeah. And uh, so I've been blacksmithing since. And uh, but I've been doing reenactment now for 17 years. A bit longer than me. Yeah. <laughs> I only had about year five or six, I think. Oh, yeah. Not bad. Yeah. So yeah, so you have started to recreate certain yes. particular finds, haven't you? So basically, I'm slowly reconstructing the uh, cooking chain from Sutton Hoo, um, purely because it was a high-status piece of work, and there's lots of um, I would uh, argue quite highly skilled work, um, even in today's modern world, yeah. to recreate such a thing. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it was it was doing two things, really. It was uh, the blacksmith being able to show off their skill and the king showing off their wealth. Yeah. So what we have here are just some of the um, implements, some of the, the, the sort of, I think this is mid part of the whole chain together. And it's got lots of fire welding and lots of sort of knot work. And... Um, Although it looks quite intricate, this is actually the easiest part, from my judgment, of the whole chain at the moment, which is why this is the first pieces I've started, really. But um, it's very enjoyable, and yeah. it's to do something that's... Uh, to try and copy something that was done, you know, uh, 15, 1600 years ago is what's exciting, because you're still... You're, you're, when you're working how to do... working out how to do certain parts, you know that the smith was going through the same problems yeah. at the time, so there's a bit of a connection there. And I sense. think from speaking to other blacksmiths, I was going to ask a silly question. 
which I guess there are no silly questions. No, there's never any silly questions. But I was just going to say, like, um, whether you're doing it in like a traditional way, like they would have done at the time, but I don't think it's changed that much, has it, over the years? So, to be fair, using a modern modern fuel coke um, is what I have been doing. Um, I have done, made some parts using charcoal. Yeah. Um, that would be the to keep it fully authentic, um, to have bag bellow kits um, and charcoal. So that bit um, is not what I have been doing. Um, but, I mean, it's very doable, but just a little bit slower. Yeah. So um, besides that, though, uh, everything is, you know, the fire welding's traditional, pure. There's no, like... Not, not using any flux or anything is unnecessary for just fire welding steel um, and some parts are iron some parts are steel um if so again to go fully authentic you would have to be all you know raw iron um but steel is like it's much more easily available for today and there's not that much difference in in the characteristics of how it looks anyway yeah um and the fire welding is pretty similar they did the preparation so yeah there's a few bits that aren't exactly authentic uh, the way it's produced but the technique is exactly the same so how long does a piece like that chain work that you've got to be honest do something like that yeah that's so actually that was um i would say that was about an hour's work it's about five minutes to fire weld each link and then i spent the rest of the hour basically um weaving them through each other i mean as i was go as i was getting along you get a little bit quicker yeah um so surprisingly not too long to make that this was actually the the hardest piece um purely because it kept moving until i twisted the, the sides up yeah. the whole thing was constantly loose um so trying to keep it in position and then well as soon as you twist these parts it all locks into place but you can imagine that if it's constantly moving and you need it to sit in one spot um yeah so that was the most awkward part out of the three pieces so far um so where does that in sit in situation with the chain so this is so the uh i think trying to remember now because i've got the whole thing in my head there's so many parts it sits sort of uh two-thirds at the end so it would be a piece that you would see hanging closer to the pot that's hanging off of it right um there are more intricate fire welds and twisted fire welded parts that actually link up from this to the chains yeah um there's more of these chains to do um i can't remember exactly how long it is but this it's definitely a good 15 foot plus long as, as far as i remember so there's a lot of chain work to go um You've got quite a few hours of work left. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, okay, if, if, if you look at any, um, there's a few samples that have been made out there already. And once, when the when it's actually all in situ, you do see this bit above the pot. This bit stands out quite quite um, significantly. Um, face on, as you can see, it, it has quite a lot to look at from the side. You can't, you you wouldn't see much. But yeah, so I do know that it's um, it's quite far down the line. Mm. So um, it's all the other stuff that backs up from it, which is what I'm going to be working on. As the, as the years go really so you're looking at doing this over several years rather than a... well i'll say years actually i'm hoping to get most of it done next year the, this year and next year i'm doing it in yeah. portions because i'm as a smith i'm working on normal you know modern work and, and and other historical stuff as well yeah um so yeah it's basically a side project but hopefully i'd say one or two years time i'll have the whole set mm. so i noticed down there as well you've got something else i recognize because another blacksmith's been on before, Ian Thackeray. Hello, Ian. I know Ian. Me, you know Ian? Yeah. yeah, so Ian made me the Mastermind Grill. So if you watch one of the early episodes, it might have been episode four or five, I think. It was a while back. Um, Ian came on and we tested the Mastermind Grill. And I see you've got 
at least part of yeah. the grill set down there. Yeah, so basically, um, again, which is what, and another project on the side, I'm, I'm going to make the whole kit, basically. I'm looking at trying to make almost everything from the chest that was found because there's so many blacksmith items, tools, and other things found in that chest. And it's yeah. such a, such a massive find for the time period. A little bit later than us, but it's the reason why I do it is because um, I also uh, do a little bit of film work and now and then and I'm building up a historical kit that could be hired for props, basically, and, and usage yeah. and that. But at the same time, for reenactment, it's good to compare with Saxon and Viking. So, um, yeah, so basically this is just part part of that kit uh, that i've um just started put together and uh, as you say you've got this actually out in use with the grill um outside cooking away um and the chain works interesting because um although the, the ev everything else the processes are pretty much the same um fire welded square section which is quite interesting and, and th this comes a lot in um in the viking period so again it's um, a similar thing um but obviously looks very different um yeah and it all does yeah. the same thing but it's just um it's just interesting and it's and it's nice that it's um survived so we can replicate things such as this um so yeah i'm also working on viking ironwork as well as saxon basically just immersed in yeah. both and you're gonna so you're gonna make the chest and everything as well to go with it are you? so the chest is gonna be made by our woodwork one of our woodworkers yeah. um, and i'm just gonna be literally i've got the whole master me i've got the um all the spreadsheets out of, of everything and just trying to make everything as authentic as possible yeah. so i'll be making all the items mostly first i've got a couple of chests already but eventually we'll have i mean the chest is no, i don't think it's that different to the saxon chest as well and i'm in need of a couple more tool chests because as you can see Everything's mounting up. This is just a portion of the of the pieces I, I generally make. So yeah. I actually need the chest to actually be able to transport it all. Um, but I can just guess that the the smith that lost that chest in the bog um, would would have been best pleased. I mean, even today, it's a lot of work and and, and yeah. money. But back then, it's far beyond just a oh, that's annoying. You know, it's yeah. just a lot. So um, especially where I mean, I can only guess that it was kind of an accident because it's all you know, it's not. It's not been um, attacked, and and people have gone through it, and it's just um, and because of the boggy area. It's it, I, I believe it was it's been agreed that it was basically just a lost accident. It's fallen off on a travel. Yeah. But um, so I don't know what's worse, losing it in a fight, or just losing it because it's just fallen off. <laughs> but I, I wonder whether the the grill itself is a separate thing because. I know in one of the reports it says that it was found in the chest, but it can't have been because it's bigger than the chest. Yeah, that um, is actually an interesting point. And it was moved, I believe, by the farmer. Right. Because I think originally they were plowing the field and the chain caught, um, and they pulled up what was part of the chest, I think. Um, but whether that find was in the same field, but a different location. So we don't technically, I think, know whether that grill is part of the same collection. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Um, I'm, if it's near, then they might have put two and two together, which is obviously yeah. a, a, everyone's first reaction. But you're right, it actually does not fit in. Um, and that's actually a detail that has been brought up before, actually, uh, yeah. uh, just in discussion. Because I looked at it first and thought, how's that How's that in with everything else? I mean, even everything else on its own doesn't look like it would fit in such a thing. But There's pots it's, and pans and all sorts. Yeah, it's definitely crammed in there. So, uh, But you're right, you know, it's, um, it's definitely... Um, I mean that because I've only got so far. That's an area I haven't actually fully looked into yet. So, um, so it's a good point actually um, to, to bring it up again because it's only briefly been spoken about. 
yeah. with another person. As I say, there were cooking pots as well, which again, I'm not sure if they were actually in the area or in the chest. Yeah. Um, but I know some of the cooking pots were in a state of repair and were probably thought to have been like scrap metal that was being collected to be reworked into other things. Right. I think particularly one of the things doesn't, it's not done in the same style. So it's like it's been made by someone else. Yeah. Um, and so whether he bought it as scrap or she, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, bought it as scrap to rework it into something else. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, again, this, this, these time periods, everything is valuable. Um, even a nail is is worth um, keeping. So, if there's if it's been traded um, or uh, or found, and then just you know, if, if you're going to find something that just needs a bit of repair, it's going to save you time. Just like you know, we should be doing in this day and age. Yeah, um, that could very well be what happened. Yeah, definitely. Do you have an opinion on the use of the the master mobile? Um, I obviously use it for cooking, as you've seen. Well, once I once I make the grill, I'm actually going to test it myself. I mean, it, I mean, I don't need to really think about testing because it, it does even outside your, yeah. your yours is um, it's being in use. So um, and it's a pretty, I think, as far as grills are concerned, suspended. Um, it's, it's I don't see it not working. Um, it's more that there's an opinion that it would have been used by the blacksmith as lighting for the workshop. Oh, okay. So you put like tar. Oh, I see what you mean. And you suspend it from the ceiling. Oh, okay. And it would mean the blacksmith could work into the night, I guess, particularly in the winter. That is something I have not thought about at all. I and believe now... there are other examples from Europe that they think that's what they were for. Okay, okay. Well, I like to learn things every day, and that is something that hasn't come across my path, so definitely I something think, to look yeah, at. Yeah, there is an actual book on the find itself. It's a white book, quite biggish. Yeah. Um, I think it's literally called The Master My Find. Yeah, see, I, that's the book. I've actually got that um book um the, the thing with me actually and this is this will probably explain why i don't know that actually is because i'm not very big reader at first i'm very i read enough to know what's what it is and then um and then i just look straight at the finds and go oh i could replicate that or yeah or how was that made so to be fair i should start reading more <laughs> <laughs> it's just something that they mentioned but it makes sense yeah when it, it does it make was sense. On, we tested it as food different ways of doing food it works for food but that's but who, not to say that was its purpose. Who's to say it's not used for all things, all those things yeah. that we brought up? I mean, you're, you're talking again about an age. They're not just going to, it's not a wasteful age. You're going to use, if, if something will work for something else, it's going to be used. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion. So it could very well be that it was just, they could be used for cooking and then someone decided to go hang that up there quick, see if I can get some, put some logs in there, see if I can get some light. Oh, it's working. Yeah. You know, it's, it's you know, and again, that, that goes back down to the, um, I think what's the fun bit about history is not le not knowing everything is and keeping the mystery and the stories open to interpretation is also I think a fun part, especially doing reenactment, archaeological yeah. um, experiment, archaeology basically, um, and that's another thing why it attracts me, uh, especially in 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 this area because you know you can make it, try it. And again, like if, if no one really knows, and there's like several several ideas, um, you know, it's just uh, something. It's nice to be a part of that, um, yeah. and you can just try things out. And um, I, I think it's quite nice not to know exactly. I think there's something nice about that, not always knowing everything. It's like being a history detective. It is, yeah, literally. <laughs> we piece it all together, and yeah, like you say, you don't, you can't know something's used until you've replicated it as well. Yeah, and you can think, oh, this would be good for this, and then you try it. And it might not work, or it might work and prove your theory. I think the closest thing to get to get into 
the closest way to step into history is is reenactment. It's why I do it. Yeah. Um, it's not just to get dressed up, um, and uh, to especially when it comes to experimental archaeology, uh, you are testing, you're trying and testing, and I mean that is pretty. That is pretty much as it, unless you know, unless you've got solid evidence, that is as close and as the best way you can try things to get an answer. Mm. Um, and the more we do it, uh, the more we can kind of work out, really. And um, again, that's just another passion for doing this in the first place for me. And uh, yeah. Mm. So the other thing you wanted to talk about today was this Wayland, Wayland the Smith. Smith. Because yeah. he hasn't come up on the podcast yet. He doesn't really get talked about an awful lot by people, does he? No, um, it's, it's obviously like through TV and film and um, everyone knows like the, the, what we say the main gods are. So you've got Woden and Thunor, Odin and Thor in the late Viking period. Um, yeah. You've got Freyna. But um, this is a, a god specifically on the craft itself. Um, and yeah, you don't, you don't hear a lot of him. I mean, I don't know how much is actually recorded down especially of this time period it's quite hard to pinpoint mm. authenticity but um but he has survived through the saxon and the viking era so um and as a blacksmith myself a little bit biased i think he's quite an important character yeah um so yeah i thought it'd be good to have a little discussion about Wayland the smith do we know if he was a real person from what i what i've read and what i've heard it's like he could have been an elf. Uh, he was trained by elves, so he could have um, maybe he was just a deity that was trained by these elves. Or I've even heard that he was trained by dwarfs. So, um, and there's a lot of the elf and the dwarf thing does get very mixed. Um, uh, anyway, so so it's quite hard to pinpoint that down. But I think personally, I'm thinking I f I feel that he's more of a deity, more of a god, yeah. um, and he was, um, and that he just learned from specific craft deities people yeah. are very good at the craft and the elves and the dwarves are the two main ones as we know through a lot of the the culture it, go, it keeps going back to them too they're the best at what they do yeah so yeah and it's quite a brutal story isn't it it's not yeah it's definitely a not for the faint of no, it's definitely a revenge story yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah. i don't know how well you know it whether you want to give a quick rundown for anyone that's not aware of yeah so um basically there was a Wayland, his work was known across everywhere, men and gods alike. And basically, there was a there was a Swedish king who wanted to keep Wayland to himself. So somehow he managed to lame Wayland, so he would only he wouldn't be able to escape, and he he would only be there to make work for this king. I'd heard he cut tendons in his legs. Yeah, tendons. Yeah, yeah so he can't walk. Yeah. So pretty brutal, you know, yeah. like cutting cutting that area. And um, so, and, and only being able to smith, uh, you know, without standing properly as well. Yeah. Now, although this is Wayland the Smithy, so he's kindly, kind of regarded as the best out there. So, so that's what happened. Um, and obviously, it's not a story without revenge. So, uh, Wayland slowly planned how he was going to get back at the king and how he was going to finally escape. The king had two sons. Um, I remember in the stories that uh, he actually invited the sons come down at one point to look into his chest where he makes a lot of wares and he, he puts them in there to keep safe. And without second thought, they would have, OK, let's have a look at this, you know. Um, and what they didn't realise is he was actually sharpening the edge of this tall chest. So when they both put their head in, off come the heads. And... Uh, 
<laughs> so yeah, he took the heads of the sons, and being a very, very good crafter, he didn't leave it there. He um, he made he he made use of their skulls. You know, he turned some of the he used the skulls to be able to drink out of. He made jewelry from their eyeballs. You know, so um, so yeah, didn't leave anything to waste. Yeah. Um, and even possibly laid with the king's daughter to get the last spite back. Um, and then eventually, uh, f over the time, forging a pair of steel wings uh, and probably waited for the right time. But when the wind was high, that's when he used these wings to finally escape. And um, we don't know where he is now, uh, but I do hear that sometimes if you, you can hear the anvil ringing and if you leave your horse in the site and leave a coin, you're not allowed to look back because others your horse won't be shut. But... Um, some say it could be Wayland. Yeah, I think I've heard that one at um, there's the site, isn't there? The um, the burial mound, Wayland. Yeah, uh, Wayland Smithy, I think, is actually called. Yeah, up in Oxfordshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've heard that story being associated with that site. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting though because like back in when I say back in the day, all through history, the the blacksmith was also you know able to shoe horses. Uh, now, as we know, farriers and blacksmiths were quite separate. Yeah. So, um, but to be fair, it's not that long ago when the blacksmith was the farrier, and yeah. um, you know, so that. And uh, I think um, when you're maybe that story has come across because it's to do with travel and people uses horse using horses to travel all the time. So it kind of links quite well. It makes sense to for a story like that to um, have birthed somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how old the story is? I don't. I think it's hard to pinpoint down. Um, I mean, there's probably there's probably people that have done further research into the origins of the story. So, I mean, we've got translations from the Saxon and then into the North, you know, the, the Viking time period. Um, but then you don't know. That's it's okay to have that, but then you don't know word of mouth. Where where did it really start before we started pinpointing down where we roughly knew a time scale, do you know what I mean? Like most of the stories are through word of mouth and change. You don't know who said that the last person to say the story might have changed a little bit for themselves. Yeah. So I like I like the mystery of that. Yeah. I like to sort of meet myself in the middle and I kind of look up to this. If there was a deer, I mean, everyone has their own thing. If they're, if they're into following anything, any, any type of um, cultural belief system, if it helps them, and they, you know, they, people use things like Funor for strength and uh, wisdom with Woden or Odin. Um, Waylon, for me, though, as a blacksmith, it's it's kind of gives you that extra little bit of, you know, like um, work towards, you know, like maybe maybe Waylon will see my wares one day and shake yeah. my hand. And you aspire to be as good as Waylon. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's, if you're aspiring to be as good as Waylon, you're, you're definitely aiming for the top there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. For this, I should mention my wife. Decorated my drum for me with a, I believe she said it was a 10th century Swedish depiction. Right. It's beautifully thought done. To be, thought to be Wayland. Uh, there is another theory it could be Loki. It's interesting because it's fantastic. It looks really good. Really like the work in that. And it's funny as you say, it could be Loki because, because Wayland fashioned them, so they're not part of him. And this is a figure that clearly is have woven themselves into this contraption so yeah his whole body is woven yeah. into this so it, presumably metal work yeah so it's not part of him 
Now, Loki being a shapeshifter, if he was to have wings, then um, you'd imagine that it would be part of his body. Um, I think there is a story where he borrows Freya has a set of wings, or one of the other goddesses has wings. Okay. But I don't envision them being mechanical. No. Which is why, to me, this is more likely yeah. to be Wayland. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would argue the same. And I think, again, though, that's what I like about the stories where there's not always a definite. Yeah. And we get to put our own spin and twist and thought upon it. But, yeah, uh, yeah that, that makes sense. So I should probably show it off a little bit. You can follow her on Instagram. She's uh, Wolf World of Wessex. Very nice. She does artwork and embroidery work and stuff like that. Um, yeah, very good. So, um, I've actually got a gift here from uh, a friend of mine called Chris on Instagram. Is gone near Godpost. Yeah, yeah, I know Chris. Yeah, and he carved me this blacksmith figurine, which was fantastic. And I kind of, I kind of now look at it more of it's it's almost like my own uh, Wayland. You know, so every time I, th I look at him yeah. and see him, it's like a kind of uh, watching over me or that inspiration or just like something to aim for. And just to keep remembering, you know, there is a story about a smith through the ages and where it's, you know, my job and my passion. It doesn't get any better than that, really. So thank you very much, Chris, for this. Just wanted to give you a little shout out. Yeah. So we normally do a food element. And we're not sure right now how it's going to work. So basically, I was trying to tie in. I was trying to tie it into the guest. Yeah. And I know you already know what I've done. Um, so because we were talking about skulls and heads, I was trying to get a goat heads. Yeah. Couldn't get any this week, but I did manage to get a half a pig. Morrison's, come on. Yes. So I managed to get you half a pig's head, which I've been boiling away outside the tent. I'm not convinced it's ready yet. So we'll probably cut. And Keep cut it a bit safe, yeah. Um, <laughs> make sure that the pig's actually cooked yeah so we'll probably cut back in in a bit but if we don't then that's why because it's still here. yeah no worries it takes quite a long time to cook ahead it turns out yeah don't want to skip that definitely have to get to work tomorrow yeah <laughs> joe i think it's ready i think we can actually eat today it smells pretty good actually it does it's the first time i've made a pig's head i've done goats and sheep but poor little piggy it was in two halves when I bought it. I didn't cut it in half. So it's probably a good job because actually that only just fits in my pot. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> we almost, if it had been a whole head, I might not have been able to cook it. And I gather the cheeks are the best bit. So shall I ah. cut us some cheek? Do please. Um, yeah, some spoons. Um, and I also, I used one of, I recorded with Paul yesterday. So it'll go up before this. Use one of Paul's pots just to cook up some peas, just to see whether I can make like single portions of things. Right. So I've just done some peas with some bacon and some mint. And that's been sat by the fire for the last couple of hours. Yeah. Um, it's not sweet corn. A lot no. of people think it's sweet corn. Yeah. I wonder if I'm gonna need two knives for this. Now I'm told the cheek's the best bit. I feel like this needs to be crispier for me to eat it. I'm not into like the gelatinous. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd struggle with that. You think it's And all I've had all day is people peering into the pot and saying, you're not really going to eat that. Oh, is that a real pig's head? Yeah, yes. Yes, it is. It doesn't appear to have any brains. Which I'm guessing that the butcher removed them. I don't know if that's illegal. Well, that's like a bit of pork belly, isn't it? Yeah, that looks... Yeah, that. 
well enough curdled. Looked from my taste, I think this is too fatty. You got all that through there. Yeah, I like a bit of fat. I don't know if I turn it around whether it will show up on the camera there, but look, that's just pure fat. And there's this little bit of meat in here. I gather it makes good bacon, and I've got the other half at home, so I might experiment and see whether I can cut the cheek off, yeah. cure it with a bit of salt. Because we know the Saxons like bacon. But whether they ate cheek bacon. Oh, well, I mean, again, I would assume that they would have uh, used as much as they can. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, of course, you wouldn't waste it. I mean, see, that meat looks good to me. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not so keen on that fatty stuff. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. This is going to be like when I try to eat tripe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you up for this? I am. You are? Okay, we'll do a bit of each. And a bit of peas. I've heard of people eating the ears or nibbling on ears, but... Yeah. I know my dog likes the ears. <laughs> yeah. It's that everything but the squeak thing, isn't it? But look at that. That's gruesome. There we go. There's some detail. Very Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's not an episode for a vegetarian, is it? It is not. <laughs> uh, I guess we're going to have to use a finger. Yeah. Oh, I've, got, I've got a bowl. Um, I'm good with that anyway. Boom. That's fine. Yeah. Do you want some peas with it? Yeah, give it a little go. It's cool enough. I took it off a little while ago, actually, because I was worried. To be honest, I forgot <laughs> that the peas were on. Brilliant. Peas look pretty good. They're yellow split peas and they're dried peas. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Oh, they smell minty. Mm. Well, I'm going straight in. I'm, I'm going, going straight, of... straight for the cheek. The cheek of it. <laughs> Brilliant. Mm. Oh, tender. Quite fatty. Mmm. Nice. Mm. I'm a fan of that. It kind of got that same pork belly-ish. Yeah, it's like a, the pork belly thing, yeah. Mm. I am going to pass on eating the fat, because that. I think if that was put back on and fried up and gone crispy, I think that would be good, but because it's been boiled, I'm not convinced. Mmm. Yeah, I think that'd take a while to eat. Doesn't taste bad. Just a bit chewy. Mm. So yeah, you got the almost short straw, I guess, because trying to link it in with your Wayland story, and I was like, "What are we going to do? We're going to get ahead." No. Well, I, don't, I, th I think anything like this, especially if it's a bit of an experiment, it is, is is pretty good to be a part of. My other thought, and I'd, I'd need more time, was to boil it down so it's literally falling off the bone. Um, and then you make head cheese, so you can roughly chop it all, pack it into a container, mm. and it sort of, your jelly and it sets again. Right. And then you carve bits and eat it cold. Which would be something I wouldn't mind trying at some point, because I think that would be yeah pretty decent. But we just ran out of time today. It's amazing trying to talk to the public, run a show. Yeah. People coming and going asking questions whilst you're also trying to record a podcast. Yeah. It's, uh, we can multi-pass. It's a proof. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it worked. Hmm.
And if anyone's wondering, if you're watching and you're thinking that the audio quality is not as good, it's because the wind knocked my microphone stand over yesterday and broke the cable. So currently we're recording straight to the phone, which is not ideal, but uh, we figured it was better than not recording at all. Yeah, why not? How long have you been in um, Perigus Sunders? So, I was in another group first with some of the members for about four and a half, five years. Um, and we've been going now for, I want to say we've been going for about 12 years, 12, 13 years now as Harris and us. And so, so you were one of the first? Oh yeah, I was, yeah. Um, there was four of us at the very beginning. Right. Um, and yeah, over the years, there's, um, I think we've, I think we've gone past the 4-0 number now on members. Obviously not all members can always make a, uh, an event, but yeah, we're, we're, it's a very good-sized independent group um, for our time period. I'm yeah. going to say you also don't get many early Saxon period specifically. No, no, a lot, a lot of it's late, late Saxon, so they can obviously you know do events with Vikings. Although I mean, we do, we do do events with Vikes mm. because we explain, which is you know part of our job as reenactors. If if there's a group that we're going to have a clash with, just for entertainment and to show you know combat skills. We will fight with a, a Viking group that we that we work with, um, and technically they would have they're two hundred years later than us, um, even three hundred years mm. around that area. But so we explain that, but we give them the entertainment anyway because it works and we work well. Um, but like this weekend though, we've got Romano British, so you know that's much more that's that's that, that's fitting for our time period. That works really well, yeah. yeah. It's quite entertaining to watch you guys on the battlefield. Yeah, in the Romans and the gladiators that come out, and yeah, yeah. So it's, it's again, it's another part of part of the experience of doing reenactment. If there is combat involved, um, you know, and it, it definitely keeps you fit, and um, and it's just well, it's there to entertain all the hundreds of people that come out for a good day, really. Just eyeing up the rest of the meat. Gets a little bit bloodier as we go through, you know. I think they're going to want longer. Mm. You see that there? Oh, yeah, yeah. What yeah. we took off the end was fine, but now that I'm starting to poke deeper in... Better save to be sorry. Yeah, especially with pigs. Better sorry, yeah. So, yeah, we'll pass on the rest of it, I think. Mm. Uh, not bad. Um, it's a very cheap cut. It's authentic to be cooking the whole animal. You wouldn't want to waste it. No. Um, the whole pig's head's only a fiver. So, so if I can use it, there. if I could use it for making bacon or something, then I'd probably justify it. Yeah, cheap bacon, lardons maybe, so they're fried off and then the cheek goes crispy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that to my own cheeks, then. Made a long pig. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, so yeah. Well, thank you very much um, for you know the experience overall. Um, but I'm actually. I'm one over a bit, you know, like you say, as you say, a little bit longer. Mm. Um, but, you know, the cheek, it was like there was a pork belly sort of um, uh, texture to it, quality yeah, to it sort of definitely. thing. Definitely. See, I don't fancy the ears. You start to look down the canal yeah, and you're yeah. like, ah, uh, the dogs, they'll be fine. Get it for the dog. Actually, my dog might like that. He might like the squeak. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, lovely. 
bit of authentic cooking. Um, so we've still got those six questions I need to ask you to, to close out the podcast. Oh, yeah. So we'll, we'll have a bit of a clean up. Yeah. And we'll come back for the six questions. No worries. So the first question is, if you had an unlimited budget, what would be your dream project? My dream project? I need a castle. Definitely need a castle. It would be to have... I didn't, I'd need land. Yeah. I'd have a permanent reenactment area set up all year round. Um, and a castle opposite. Yeah. A new castle? Would you build the castle? I'd design it. I'd like yeah. I'd try and design it myself, even though I'm not an architect. Yeah. I'll find a way. Um, yeah. Um, but as castles came around, obviously, through Normans and... Um, and obviously the Christianization of, of, of the time period, yeah. these castles would be the opposite. They'd all, they'd, they'd, they'd be designed around um, pagan gods. And I'd have a, I'd have, I'd probably have a stage there as well. It's a very mixed castle, this one. They'd probably be, uh, definitely have to have um, some metal concerts going on. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, oh, it's, that's just one thing. I mean, unlimited um, projects, oh, it, it, the list goes on. Um, but my my straight away it went to a castle and yeah. land castle and land yeah. um, and and de and obviously a forge definitely has to be a couple of forges there as well um, yeah I think that I mean that'd probably be enough to get on with so you'd still want to work as a blacksmith I'd still want to I'd probably want to be I'll be out maybe smith for fun as well as I'll do the odd commission still yeah but if I didn't need to worry about it then. Um, I'll definitely have to do all the iron work myself around the castle, so that'll keep me busy. Yeah, yeah that could be a few years' work. Yeah, exactly. A full yeah, castle's yeah. worth of iron work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like a life project, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So there we go. Um, I'll probably get a load of smiths in, though, and I'll hold blacksmith events, and like I say, reenactment and blacksmithing um, on my own land. Perfect. Okay, so the next question is, do you think you could survive on a Viking Age diet? I think I could. Um, because you, it's like anything when people are actually, when you actually have to, well, I say it's not the thing is, it's not even a, a, a thing of torture. You know, the, the diet is actually cleaner than today. So it's healthier. So, um, I think people, I personally don't think people, some people just don't actually realize that it's actually not that much of an ask, um, but you just have to. You'd have to get uh, used to giving up lux certain luxuries of today, which would be the main thing, I think. Yeah. Well, that does lead into the last question, which is, is there anything you'd miss on a Viking Age diet? Chocolate. Definitely chocolate. And I suppose I won't have to worry about anything like mead and ale. So, chocolate, but that's a massive thing. Yeah. It's definitely chocolate. I can't think of anything else that I'm too worried about because I'm not sure what wasn't and what was. I know we have enough meat and vegetables. So, yeah, it comes down to chocolate. Yeah. I must have said that 10 times now. Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate? Yeah. <laughs> I think the answer is chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. What's the worst thing you've ever eaten? Mushrooms. Yeah. That was a quick answer, wasn't it? I mean, for, blink. although obviously I was like, yeah, I could deal with, you know, historical like um diets and everything else but like um you would yeah mushrooms i can't can't do it i wish I, I wish i would like i mean i know there's different types of mushrooms out there but i just can't it's just like the, uh, there's a rubbery thing there 
and a certain aftertaste. Yeah. Can't do it. <laughs> I mean, historically, we don't have any evidence from our period that they even ate them. So you'll still be all right. Perfect. There you go. Obviously, they don't survive archaeologically. We don't have many written stuff. Uh, I have heard in some places that potentially the Saxons feared them, which, being as some of them are poisonous or they make you trip. I'm going to agree as a Saxon yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. So there you go. So you're just playing up to the role of a Saxon. Perfect. Didn't yeah. even need to try. Brilliant. <laughs> the next question uh, is, what's the most memorable meal you've ever had? I think there are a few that there are. There's a few. Um, one night uh, I was with my friend uh, Scott, and we had a few beers. And then when we got back, it was actually Burns' night, and it was the first time I had haggis, proper haggis though. Yeah. And it was brilliant. But I think you know you got to mix together. First experience, it was big portion. I've had a few beers, so everything would have just been probably any any half decent meal would have been brilliant but it does stand yeah. out because it's not the norm for me um so that's definitely one yeah. definitely a good one yeah. haggis that's what i ate for breakfast oh there you go yeah oh, brilliant <laughs> yeah uh right and so the last question is that you've died and your family and friends are preparing your grave goods what food and drink do you get to take to feast in Valhalla? Um, mead. It was at, at, uh, the first time I was literally getting through that, I, mean, I knew about it. Um, and obviously over the years, it's got quite big anyway. But um, it's it's yeah. literally one of my most favourite drinks. And, and I'm going to say mead. Mead, chocolate. Um, and uh, I suppose anything that's not that you wouldn't think that would be there. So I'd have to try and I'd have to make a list yeah. of what I think's not there if we're thinking historical wise. But... If, if they're still... It doesn't have to be historical, to be honest. No. It's a generic yeah. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always the best and worst food and drink question. So, well, not yeah, best okay. Yeah, so chocolate, some chicken, some mead. And just to make sure I'm not completely, like, dehydrated, um, a nice a nice bottle of cold water. Just chuck that in, just in case. Is that all in one pot? All in one pot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chocolate, chicken, mead, with a bit of water. Yeah, Boiler, that's... sorted. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you are, are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram. Facebook? Yep, I'm known on, uh, just Instagram mainly as Joe the Smithy, all one word. Yeah. And um, yep, I do the historical iron work as well as modern and uh, traditional and contemporary um, blacksmithing work all year round. You have uh, a website? I have a website, joethesmithy.co.uk. Um, I also teach experience days on medieval uh, blacksmithing at Westing College. Don't know what that is. It's uh, near Chichester, right? Um, and it's a uh, it's a uh, college of uh, conservation and art, and uh, yeah, and I'm uh, I do one two day experience days. Uh, yeah. They could be just fundamentals of blacksmithing, but we like to um, it's it's designed to be a so people can come and make their own little bit of medieval ironwork. Yeah, cool. Oh, and I think a while back you mentioned to me you might be starting a podcast or something because I think about the teaching because I think you. That was the element you wanted to do, wasn't it? Yeah, so, well, I mean, I'd like to... The aim is to have a little podcast uh, covering reenactment um, as well as my craft and having guests, uh, basically, like this, guests coming along, having a little go, and then um, and then we talk about, you know, their passion as well and yeah. all support each other and mix it in. And you're definitely on the list. There you go. So catch me on Joe's podcast whenever that happens. Yep. <laughs> I think... I'm hoping winter this year it will definitely be starting. 
well, just before winter, you know, like the end of the summer shows. But um, and it'll be various various places that we'll do it. Sometimes yeah. at a show like here. Yeah. So when we fold into next year, um, um, but I do also have my little workshop at home, so it doesn't have to be always in this historical setting. So there's always you know guests around around the house. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So yeah. At end of the end of the summer sort of show times. Um, once I've got everything ready and uh, and sorted out the areas and and, and my I've got a good camera. Um, and it's just getting used to the camera. That's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm using it and testing it, and then um, and then we'll work from there. Yeah. But definitely, definitely, like end of this year, beginning of next year, it'll definitely be up and running. And I guess you'll share that on your social media anyway. Yeah, right? Lord, everyone will know about it as soon yeah. as it starts. Yeah. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time. Bye. It's a bit high pitch. Yeah. Bye. 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 See you later. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear more, remember to like and subscribe and give the show a rating. You can also help keep the show going by becoming a Patreon where you'll get early access to all episodes. Or check out my range of merch on my store. Links are in the episode description. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 